Lakhtar Ogar, Orkish for victory or death. And welcome to Navi Tales. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Josh. I am Nick. And today we're talking about the Horde. Oi. With the release of the new expansion for World of Warcraft, we thought we'd dip our feet into this. Now, Nick, you've never played WoW. Nope. I played it for way too long. Yeah. Um, and despite the fact that you would think I would be Horde, I usually played Alliance characters. Wow. Alliances had dra- the Alliance had the Draenei, which is a, for lack of a better term, uh, giant blue space goats. The Alliance had Worgen, which were werewolves, like or lichens from uh, Underworld, where they could turn into werewolves at will. Yeah. Uh, and the Alliance had dwarves, which at the time I was real into dwarves because they're super Scottish. <laughs> but I wasn't super devoted to either side. I wasn't one of those only Horde or only Alliance people. Uh, I did have an Orcish Death Knight, which was really fucking cool. My main, by the way, was a Draenei Mage. Uh, and if you ask why I picked a Draenei for a mage, uh, the reason is because they naturally learn a healing spell, and uh, mages don't learn any healing spells. So I naturally had a healing spell, and I played a lot of PvP, so that would come in clutch. Uh, I also always like to talk about this. I had a hunter goblin named Steve Gobbs, and I <laughs> am absolutely in love with that character. Uh, anyway... I played Wild Away. Oh, and I also had a Pandaren uh, Brewmaster. Yes. Which is a kind of monk that literally is the... Because monks had were one of the only classes that could be either a tank or a healer or a DPS. Brewmaster is the tank class. Uh, so I used to use my Brewmaster in raids for tanks. Um, my favorite part absolutely was aggroing everything by throwing a keg and it splashing all over them. And then sitting in front of the big boss of that raid and just bashing a keg over their head. Brewmasters are awesome. No one can tell me otherwise. <laughs> um, if you ask when I stopped playing, I stopped playing at the end of Mists of Pandaria. Um, mostly because I wasn't having fun with the game anymore. And I needed to go outside a bit more. <laughs> um, but today we're going to talk about the Horde. Uh, which I think is endlessly fascinating, even if I didn't super main that class. Or, or that faction. So in the past, the Horde referred to the orcs and their battle thralls for both both Draenor and Azeroth, such as trolls and ogres. Following its utter defeat at the end of the Second War, the Horde's dark power was broken, allowing Thrall to awaken the dormant spirituality of his people and free them from the Burning Legion's control. I just said a bunch of shit you don't know shit about. You don't know who Thrall is. You don't know who... Yeah, they're, they're, they're on the moon. I'm mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> Thrall is one person, and he's amazing. Uh, I'll go into my the reason. I've, one of the reasons I fell out of WoW in a bit, and it's to do with lore, but we'll deal with that at the end. So, During the events of the Third War, Thrall has made lasting bonds with the Torian chief, Carne Bloodhoof, and the troll shadow hunter, Vlogin, uh of the Darkspear tribe. You know, I gotta give you that one. Uh, it's Kareen Bloodhoof. Oh. But... God damn, you got Vulgin first try. (laughs) Fuck yeah. The ties between the three races are very close, as both share many similar cultural views. With the help of the Tauren, both the orcs and the tribe of the trolls have established a place for themselves in Kalimdor. Since then, certain ogre tribes, as well as the Forsaken and the Blood Elves, have chosen to affiliate themselves with the Horde. 
The present horde is mostly about surviving in a land that has come to hate them. The orcs are hated because, much like the Forsaken, they were manipulated by corrupt forces that channeled their aggression on unsuspecting foes, thus leaving behind a legacy of brutality and domination. In fact, many races of the horde have a history of being unscrupulous. Though redeemed and trying to make amends or simply trying to survive, they are not forgiven nor trusted by many members of the Alliance who believe them to be their old selves still. The trolls, Torin, and their other allies are the ones who understood them, and so they are hated for that. In the Third War, before the liberation of the Forsaken from the Scourge and the defection of the Blood Elves, the Horde allied themselves with the Alliance to rid Azeroth of the Burning Legion. Since then, old animosity uh, had risen again, resulting in an open conflict on several battlefields, keeping relations between the Horde and the Alliance in a state of Cold War. However, the two factions still officially kept a truce be- uh, despite the rising conflicts until the Battle of the Undercity, when King Varen uh, Rin officially declared war. By the time the mists concealing Pandaria dissipated, cracks within the Horde started to emerge. The war had intensified with the surprise mana bombing of Theramore Isle on Garrosh's orders, the actions of which Bane, Bloodhoof, and Vulgen openly disapproved of. It's because Garrosh is a dick. <laughs> In response, Garrosh ordered the Korkron to suppress any potential dissent, going as far as subjugating the Darkspear trolls on their own territory. Horde leaders were wary of Garrosh's attempts to harness the Shah for his own ends, and the Blood Elves became increasingly discontented with Garrosh treating them as expandable in his attempts to do so. The exposure of Sunreaver agents taking orders from Garrosh eventually led to the Sunreaver's expulsion from Dalaran, stoking further uh, reclamations from the Blood Elf leadership towards Garrosh. Okay, let me break this down real quick. Garrosh was the war chief of the Horde at this time, the time we're talking about, and he successfully pissed off everyone trying to get power. Garrosh was put in charge by Thrall because Thrall knew his father. Because at the end of Wrath of the Lich King, Thrall stepped down as war chief to uh, keep the basically giant storm in the middle of the world at bay. So. Garrosh then went full big bad guy, BBG, and (laughs) just fucking went for it. After the Thunder King's death, the Darkspear Rebellion began in earnest, and Horde leader after Horde leader joined it. When at last even Gallywix and the Bilgewater Cartel joined the Rebellion due to Garrosh refusing to pay them for excavating the heart of Yashar. Garrosh and the True Horde were defeated in the ensuing conflict, the rebels and the alliance forces, and the Vulgen were declared war chief, was declared war chief of the Horde. Under Vulgen's command, the Horde would engage against the forces of the Iron Horde and later the Burning Legion on Draenor. During the battle for Broken Shore, the Horde and Alliance worked together to prevent the Legion from securing the Broken Shore as a staging ground for their invasion. Both armies would be pushed back, King Varian would be slain, and Vol'jin would be mortally wounded. In Vol'jin's dying moments, he named Sylvanas Windrunner the new warchief of the Horde, and faced with combating the armies of the Burning Legion and the hostility of the Alliance, the Horde moved forward to combat the armies of the Legion. The forces of Azeroth ultimately succeeded in defeating the Burning Legion, 
during the third invasion, and the, and the Horde soon after gained the allegiance of the High Mountain Tauren tribes of High Mountain and the Nightborn of Suramar. Nightborn are basically drow. Fair enough. Before the Tauren and the Trolls joined the Horde, the Horde was also called the Orcish Horde. Although the Horde is a coalition of diverse races with different cultures, agendas, and values, one thing remains constant within the Horde. Respect is earned by the Blade. Orgrimmar is the obvious center for now, and the Warchief of the Horde stands as the undisputed leader. The Warchief holds dominion over the entire Horde. Uh, he also maintains the Horde and is able to declare war for the entire Horde, taking any precaution to ensure the stability and security of the Horde's member states, and has the final say in any induction of new Horde members. The Horde makes no compromises when it comes to excellence, and the power and ferocity of their warriors is legendary. Misunderstood by many as evil, the Horde possesses a strong code of honor and strict law for laws for obedience. All members of the Horde have to swear a blood oath to join the faction and are thus obligated to follow the Warchief's commands and support the Warchief in war if the Warchief calls upon them for aid. The position of Warchief can be attained by having the previous Warchief cho choose a successor or challenging the current Warchief to a mock gora. A prearranged duel with deadly weapons between two people following a formal procedure in the presence of witnesses and traditionally fought until one party yields or is killed, usually to settle a quarrel involving a point of honor. I just like the word makkara. Makkara. I adore the Orcish language in this game. Adore it. You have no idea how much I love Orcish in WoW. It's amazing. The words are just so orc <laughs> like orc like there's so like agramar is a name yeah like a, the, the place is named after a particular orc and you got things like loktar ogar victory or death like or like makkara like oh so guttural i love it i i i, I love it uh above all else the title warchief is granted to those who display strength and decisive action warchiefs must be able to gain respect via combat effectiveness and martial conquests but also have enough tact to keep the horde united and stable which the current warchief doesn't we'll get to that <laughs> the warchief may accept ambassadors and advisors from all the different tribes and members of the horde to make sure their voice is heard in the running of the fledging uh, Hegemony, but ultimately only the Warchief may have the final say in matters concerning the entire Horde. Each race within the Horde may choose a single leader to govern their people and their people's kingdoms and also to represent their people in the High Horde Echelon. Equal in size, the Horde also has its complexities, much like the Alliance. The main six races of the Blood Elves, Tauren, Undead, Trolls, Goblins, and Orcs have countless friends among the races of Azeroth. The Reven Tusk forest trolls of the Hinterlands, the Stonewall Ogres, and various individuals like the Machnathal Beastmaster, Rexar. He is literally, like, he's just, like, known as... He, he's a Machnathal, but he's also part Ogre, so he's half Ward, half Ogre. Uh, and he's a Beastmaster, like, he, he trains just massive animals to fight for him. And he wears, like, a mask. Rexar's fucking awesome. 
Despite their somewhat monstrous appearance, the majority of the Horde is not evil. Much like the Alliance, it is uh, comprised of diverse factions and individuals who possess a wide range of values and virtues. Even so, there is one exception that must be met when joining the Horde. Regardless of gender or station, all are expected to pull their own weight and give their talents for the betterment of the Horde. When weakness is a liability to the future of the Horde, it is the duty of the strong to usurp control from the incompetent and redeem the Horde. Loktar Ogar, victory or death. It is these words that bind one to the Horde, for they are the most sacred and fundamental of truths to any warrior of the Horde. For the Horde, failure is not an option. Culturally, orcs and Torin believe in redemption more than most other races on Azeroth and are willing to give almost anyone a chance regardless of reputation. The Reven Tusks seem to have even accepted, if not at least tolerate, their ancient enemy, the Blood Elves. Largely because of these beliefs, a number of mortal races and many diverse factions can be found in service of the Horde. The Horde in Kalimdor, which acts as the bulk of the Horde's forces, serve under the Warchief's leadership. They include most of the Orcs, the Torin, the Darkspear Trolls, the Goblins of the Bilgewater Cartel, and, uh, the, Pandorian, the Pandaren, and a number of less prominent races within the Horde, such as the Stonemaul Ogres. The Horde in the Eastern Kingdoms, compromising of the Forsaken and the Blood Elves, act with more independence from the Kalimdor Horde, but ultimately answers to the Warchief out of necessity for the Horde's support. Following the third invasion of the Burning Legion, new allies of the Broken Isles joined, the, joined to the Horde the Nightborn of Suramar and the High, the High Mountain Tribe. These races all see the Horde differently. Some see it as an instrument of vengeance, hell-bent to carve out a future for its people. Others see it as a refuge for those who need shelter, a commonwealth of the downtrodden, built for mutual support. While some view it as an alliance of convenience, a, a confederacy of unlikely partners free to pursue their own agendas. Whatever their motivations, they are united to claim Kalimdor and the Eastern Kingdoms for themselves in order to secure provisions and supplies needed to support their people and forcibly remove alliance incursions from their own lands. Uh, so we begin, uh, we're, we're going to talk about the different nations that are a part of a horde. We've mentioned them all, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth into them uh, and their names. Uh, so the first is the nation of Duratar. The orcs of Duratar follow High Overlord Varrock Sorfang, their culture is split mostly between the orcs' warrior spirit and their shamanistic roots, which has recently wrought on conflict between the younger and older generations. Uh, it's basically um, millennials are shamans. <laughs> uh, dedicated to carving out an existence in a world that has come to largely revile them, the orcs have recently turned their attention to reinvigorated conquests. Ashenvale and Stone Talon are among their first targets, and ultimately Warchief Hellscream intends to unite the entire entirety of Azeroth under a single banner until he died. Um, I, I left that part out. Uh, the, the leader of the orcs right now is Varrock Sorfe. So next we have the Forsaken. The Horde of the Eastern Kingdoms was initially next to non-existent, uh, with only the Frostwolf orcs and other similar forces in operation around the continent. In recent years, however, the Horde's presence has, has been bolstered by the inclusion of the Forsaken of the Eastern Kingdoms and the Blood Elves of Kel'Thalas. 
While considered members of the Horde, their bonds with the Western Horde are perhaps not the same level as the Orcs, Trolls, and the Tauren. The Forsaken were once part of the Scourge, forced into mindless servitude under the Lich King, which we are, I assure you, going to do an entire episode on the Lich King. Oh, I figured. I mean, just look. Yeah. I, I don't have a lot of WoW stuff. I'm not big into WoW anymore. I have a Lich King statue, and no one can stop me from owning that. Because the Lich King's amazing. <laughs> like, Arathis is one of, I think, the best characters in fiction. Alright. We'll do it. After the Lich King's grip began to weaken, the Banshee Queen, Sylvanas Windrunner, broke free from his will, and went on to both free and rally other undead beings to join her Empire of Undeath, dubbed the Forsaken. Under Lady Sylvanas's leadership, the Forsaken used any means necessary to conquer the Fallen Kingdom and remove both the Dreadlords and other foes threatening their dominion. After expelling the Scourge from Capital City and massacring the last remaining holdouts of the Alliance, they took over the catacombs of the former capital, renaming the city Undercity. With the backing of the Tauren, Thrall warily accepted the Forsaken into the Horde, though this alliance of convenience has been tested. Great betrayal at the hands of, of Grand Apo- uh, Apothecary, uh, Putris. 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 It's, it's as gross as it sounds. Putris. Has put the Forsaken on a tight leash, made tighter by the, war- by the new war chief's less lenient stance on their modus uh, operandi. This is a little bit out of date from the, this part. Um, the war- current war chief of the Horde is Sylvanas, uh, the leader of the Forsaken. Um, you would love Sylvanas. Um, I also think that she's going to die in this expansion, or <laughs> die again in this expansion. Sylvanas is a banshee, which is what happens when a particular elf is turned undead. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a strike team for the Lich King. Like, but banshees are always elves. So she's uh, used to be a night elf, but now is a banshee, and you would love her. We should watch some WoW cinematics later. Yeah, dude, I'm down. Because uh, the, the ones with Sylvanas are great. The most recent one broke my heart. This is not going to be recorded because there's probably background noise. most recent one broke my heart because it involved Sylvanas uh, burning down Teldrassil, which is why I think she's going to die. She, like, brutally burned down Teldrassil and, like, made people watch. And, like, the orcs, like, because she's the, the leader of the Horde, so the orcs are kind of like the cannon fodder. There's more orcs than anything else in the horde. The orcs like were like, um, maybe we shouldn't do this. <laughs> like when when the orcs are like, let's rein it in. You know you screwed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, also, it's pretty much implied that she poisoned Vol'jin. <laughs> well, I liked Vol'jin when he was announced as leader of the horde. I lost my mind. It also marks the first time that orcs are not in charge of the Horde. Let's be honest, the only people who should never be in charge of the Horde are the goblins. You'll find out why. <laughs> I think the Tauren should be in charge. The noble Tauren of Kalimdor are a race that had hunted the lands of central Kalimdor for generations. However, when Thrall and his orcs had arrived onto the lands of Kalimdor, they had already been driven near extinction by the marauding centaur that rampaged through their lands. Under the leadership of their high chieftain, Kareen Bloodhoof, and their young war chief, Thrall, the Tauren managed to drive back most of the centaur. 
Since then, Kareen has pledged his people to the Horde. After Kareen's death, the young Bane Bloodhoof has arisen to take his father's place and lead the Tauren into a brighter future. With the recent Alliance incursion into the Barrens, the Tauren have created a mighty gate to protect their homeland of Mulgore. Even if their Horde allies turn down dark paths during this war, the Tauren have resolved to be the light that guides them through it. And I also think that the Tauren are going to become the war chiefs of the Horde. I think Bane is going to be the next war chief. The Dark Spear of the Broken Isles have a very savage and dark history studying voodoo arts and worshipping the Loa. However, after Thrall had saved their tribe from extinction, Vol'jin, son of Senjin, pledged his, tri- his tribe to the Horde. Some trolls have now begun to study shamanism and, more recently, druidism. Uh, some of these trolls even mix shamanis- shamanism with voodoo arts, and most members of the tribe have or are attempting to give up the ways of cannibalism and the other traits of their race's dark history. After retaking much of their territory from the treacherous Zalazane, the Dark Spear have been invited to join a revitalized troll empire under the Zandalari's leadership uh, through Vol'jin. Oh, though Vol'jin has declined this offer. Now he's dead. Um, now we're on the kingdom of Kelthalos. The Blood Elves of Kelthalos preside over the other major kingdom of the Eastern Horde. After the Scourge onslaught essentially culled the High Elven race, with over 90% of their people killed, the remaining 10% vowed to avenge the destruction of their once great nation and dubbed themselves the Blood Elves, in honor of their fallen brethren. After retaking their homeland with the volatile new powers, the Magisters advocated, the kingdom of Kelthalos was offered aid from an unlikely source, the Forsaken whose queen, Lady Sylvanas, had lost her life in her attempt to protect Kelthalos from the Scourge. With their assistance, the Blood Elves were able to fend off the lingering Scourge in the kingdom and were able to enter the Horde as an equal nation of its own. Kelthalos suffered another dark hour in recent years when its twisted scion, Kelthos... Sunstrider attacked his homeland in a mad bid to usher the Burning Legion's master into Azeroth. He was put to death for this on Keldanas, and Lorthamar Theron has thus become the sole leader of the Blood Elven people. The cunning Bilgewater cartel goblins from Kezan. One of the most, if not the most, powerful goblin cartels that dominates trade in the South Seas have recently joined the Horde. After Deathwing assaulted Kezan, and the goblins were forced to flee, the first escape ships were attacked by an alliance fleet. With a common enemy, the goblins assisted their captive former warchief Thrall in breaking, the, uh, in breaking his bonds and obliterating the alliance on the Lost Isles. Their future was tested when their leader, the angered trade prince Gallywix, attempted to defeat Thrall and take over Ashara for himself, though this ultimately ended in failure. Thrall mercifully allowed him to retain his position as trade prince, and thus the Bilgewater goblins were accepted into the Horde. Yeah, the, the goblins, like, society is fascinating, and it all has to do with making money. Like, that's all the goblins care about. Makes sense. The, now, uh, the Pandaren... The Hojin Pandaren follow the path of the Hojin, a philosophy among the Pandaren 
that inaction is the greatest injustice and that there is no shame in defending one's homes and loved ones regardless of cost. Those Pandaren who follow the path of the Hojin are allies of the Horde and are represented and led by the intrepid G. Firepaw, a staunch adherent of this philosophy. The Hojin are quick to act and quicker to fight for what they believe in. Impulsive and practical, they feel that the ends can justify the means. Um, fun fact, Pandaren are the only race that can be both Alliance and Horde. Because it splits, there's the Hojin Pandaren and then another uh, group of Pandaren who allied with the Alliance. All the pandas. Yeah, basically, uh, when pandas dropped, everyone really wanted to make sure they could be a panda, so they <laughs> let everyone be a panda. And you get a panda. Because when they've done it, what they've done in the past is like the blood elves and the goblins were released released alongside each other. Yeah. Um. The well, was it the goblins? Oh, no, it was um. The blood elves and uh the drain eye were released alongside each other. The worgen and the uh, goblins were released alongside each other, uh, but with the Pandaren, just the Pandaren were released. So they were like, "Oh shit, who gets what?" So they just gave them the both. <laughs> Everybody gets a panda. So uh, next we have the Kingdom of Suramar. Uh, the Nightborn are a powerful and mystical race of night elves who live in Suramar. Since the city was first separated from the rest of the world over ten thousand years ago, they have evolved by the Nightwell into an arcane enhanced version of their former selves. After the death of Grand Magistrix Elisande and the end of the third invasion of the Burning Legion, the Shaldorian wish to rejoin the world. So close, Shaldore, but Shaldore. keep going, it's fine. <laughs> After a harsh exchange between Thalassira and uh, Tyrand Whisper, Whisper, Whisper Wind, and... Uh, and an offer of mutual friendship with, from Lady Lydrin, the Shaldore leader decided that it would be best ally with the Horde, who shares ideals similar to those of the Nightborn. And finally, we have the High Mountain Tauren tribes. Uh, real quick, the, the, um, uh, the, the Shaldore and the High Mountain are uh, sub-races, because they just added sub-races in. So, like, the Tauren normally look like uh, bulls, like minotaurs. The High Mountain ones look like moose. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, the Shaldore look like, uh, like, normal elves look like, uh, or the blood elves look like high elves, like blonde hair, pointed ears, white skin, because they're racist. Um, uh, and um, while the Shaldore uh, are, look like drow, very, very dark-skinned, black-skinned, uh, kind of decrepit. It's really cool. They, they did that with a bunch of, of with other subclasses too. I think even orcs have one. You can play as like a a, a uh, legion orc, which is like a blood blood red orc. It's fucking dope. Yeah, it's fucking cool. And, and you know me, and I would definitely play as a moose man. So oh, the, God, high yeah. the high mountain the high mountain tribes. What's going on, eh? Yeah. Oh yeah, we're Canadian over here. <laughs> hey, we're gonna fuck you up real good. Going to uh, battle. Hey, you want to come up to my mountain? We got some hockey up there. <laughs> the High Mountain Torren are found in the region of High Mountain on the Broken Isles. Divided into four tribes, High Mountain, River Main, Sky Horn, and Blood Totem, they are the direct descendants of the Torren led by Huln High Mountain, who assisted the Kaldore resistance during the War of the Ancients. During the war, Huln 
received a blessing from Cenarius so that his people would forever have the demigod's favor, granting them the hordes, the horns of Ekero. Moose-like antlers. There's literally a lore reason why they have antlers. That's I great. fucking love it. It's fucking great. During the third invasion of the Burning Legion, the Drogbar, who had previously lived in peace with the High Mountain, rose up and stole this, this sacred hammer, shattering the unity of the four tribes. After the defeat of the Burning Legion, the chieftain Myla High Mountain and her people visited Kalimdor, and the chieftain Baneblood Bloodhoof invited them to Mogor for a feast. And that's how the High Mountain Torren joined. So those are the different factions that are part of the Horde. Um, we'll definitely do more WoW. There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fucking unbelievable amount, uh, amount of WoW. Um, we're never going to touch it all. There's entire podcasts devoted just to WoW lore. Yeah. Like, uh, if you want to check out some, I, I highly recommend. If you just want to itch that WoW lore itch. Uh, we're not a WoW channel, no. <laughs> nor will we ever be. My time of playing Warcraft is long gone, and uh, I don't think you ever would. If you were playing WoW when I was playing WoW, dude, we'd both have a problem. Yeah. You would love this game. Yeah, I feel like I probably would. But it's 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 not a game that you should play. No. Because <laughs> uh, I've watched you get addicted to Overwatch. That wasn't even that bad. I feel like Destiny was worse. I feel yeah. like Destiny 1 was worse. Yeah, yeah, we were pretty both pretty addicted to that. But yeah, yeah, that's why we don't play WoW. Because my addiction to Destiny was nothing compared to my addiction to WoW. Yeah. That game was a fucking problem in my life. But it was so good. Um, anyway, we thought we'd do this because the there is the uh, new expansion coming out, which neither of us are going to play, but I always keep my eye on WoW expansions because they're fascinating and filled with dense lore. So, uh, that's all I got for that. As we like to end every episode, Nick, what have you been playing? This is a weird one for us, because I feel like we just had this conversation. Uh, we're recording earlier in the week than we normally do, so, like, it's been less than a week since we recorded. Yeah. Uh, so, we're probably playing the same shit, but let's go over it. Yeah, I'm playing End of the Gungeon, pretty much. And a little, yeah, End of the Gungeon and a little bit of, uh, Mario and Rabbids. They're, they're both fun. I got a gun in Enter the Gungeon, um, that... The it shoots bubbles, so bubbles come out and they kind of float around and they hit enemies and damage them. Uh, but the actual gun, you hold a frog, and to reload it, the frog whips out a can of soda, cracks it open, drinks it, and then your ammo refills. That's fucking awesome. And I was like, this game is fucking adorable. Um, but yeah, that's not too much to talk about with those. Um, played uh, Pokemon Go. Um, I got, I did a Mewtwo raid couple days ago so i got my sixth mewtwo and um at the same time i i think i mentioned last episode that i was sitting on three dratini quests um which to do those you have to do a you have to win a level three raid or higher and then you reward a dratini encounter so i was sitting on those forever and so i did my mewtwo raid and obviously that's five so that's uh qualifies for those so i did my Mewtwo raid, and then I got my Dratini encounters, hoping for a 90 or above IV Dratini so I could evolve it into a Dragonite. And I did the first two, I caught them, and then I did the third one, and it came out shiny, and I fucking was ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, so I now, so have, I now have a shiny Dratini uh, Dragonite. I have a shiny Dragonite, and that's probably my first official shiny, because all the other shinies yeah. I have were, like, event-based, or, like, it was boosted that, like... Pretty much if you played for more than an hour in that given day, you were going to get a shiny. Yeah. Um, 
So that was pretty great. And then I ended up getting a Spinda because I, after I finally cleared out the Stratini quests, I could go find a quest to uh, get a Spinda. So I have one of those now. Awesome. Uh, I've barely been, well, I've been doing my daily stuff, but I've been playing a ton. Uh, yeah, but all I've been playing this week is Fortnite. I, I really haven't had the time to play anything else um, because I've been preparing for my D&D campaign that starts tomorrow. Um, yeah. Basically been all I've been doing and basically all I'm going to do. Uh, so I've been getting ready for that. But uh, And because it starts tomorrow, we won't be able to talk about it until next week. But I actually have a separate campaign and a story to tell Nick. And if you don't want to listen to that, that's okay. We'll see you later. I, Navia, Navia underscore tales. But, um... <laughs> Uh, so I'm also running through Strahd in a personal campaign as a player, uh, but we're going to be doing it as a group. So I'm going to be a little bit vague with certain details. So I ended up in a basement with a kid. Um, that's the end. Yeah. Just, the end. Uh, it was a, um. Typical Saturday. <laughs> it was literally Saturday. It was a, uh, basically, uh, a kid who had been, uh, taken over by Strahd. Uh, he's, he's vampiric, not a vampire yet, but vampiric freaking out, going mad. Cause he's been blood starved. Now we're kind of, a where are the, the crew I'm rolling with for this is a, the crew I'm rolling with for this is a human paladin, dwarf cleric, um, wood elf rogue, no ranger rogue. Whatever a scout is, it's one of those. Um, a half-elf monk and me being a triton warlock. Because I had to be the weird one. <laughs> so um, we are running this camp. So, so we're like generally good. We got two holy men in our group. So we're not trying to kill this kid. Um, so like our paladin had grappled it and everything. But the kid was like thrashing and about to get out. Like our paladin started bashing his head against the wall trying to get him to stop. Because it's basically all paladins do. So I went... Guys, I think I got, I got a plan. So I can use an ability called Awakened Mind as a bonus action because it, it, it counts as communicating. So I said, okay, here's how we're going to do this. I cast the cantrip Thaumaturgy. Thaumaturgy allows me to make a minor, minor miracle. If you're asking how a warlock got Thaumaturgy, it's because I have the, uh, pack, the my Pact Boon is packed to the Tome, which allows me to learn cantrips from anyone. So I have the cantrip thaumaturgy, which allows me to create a minor miracle. So I went, okay, I want to do this. So I went, I want to cast thaumaturgy and make the ground shake. But as I do that, I want to uh, speak into, awakened mind allows me to speak into anyone's mind um, just willy-nilly. They can't speak back, only I can speak into it. So I speak, I want to speak into this kid's mind as Strahd, as his master. While the ground is shaking. And then Matt goes, all right, roll for it. So I rolled for it and I rolled a 19 with my charisma bonus, which is plus three. So, so I rolled a 22 for uh, all intents and purposes. And then he's like, okay. Um, so he rolled a 20. And yet somehow you still beat it. <laughs> like <laughs> It was one of those things where the kid immediately calmed down because he thought his master was talking to him. I was able to get through an entire battle encounter. Just end it right there. Because we hogtied him after. We were able to end an entire battle encounter right there with me performing what is for all intents and purposes a miracle. I I mean, 
it's how the game should be played in an encounter like that, in my opinion. No, yeah, it like, really is. You you have the opportunity to do non-lethal damage and make him stand down by deceit. By like deceit, it worked. Yeah, yeah, and it worked well. So, uh, yeah, that's the story of how I beat a vampire. Well. And then we went outside and like we left because the, the paladin, the cleric wanted to know exactly what's going on and what's in the basement. So the paladin gets mad and leaves. Uh, the cleric goes to the priest and goes, what exactly is going on in your basement? The rest of us went like the rogue or ranger or whatever. The scout stayed uh, downstairs because it was his rope and he wanted it back. Uh, and the monk went and did something. So I went, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to fuck with everyone. So the only person in this party who knew I was a warlock was the monk because the monk and I would use that to communicate. I'd be like, do this thing. If yes, do this thing. If no. Um, so I spoke into the paladin's mind and I said, we're wasting daylight. Kill it. He fucking did. (laughs) Oh my God. He, he, Bash that kid's face in. And then the cleric, not knowing what to do next, burned it with sacred fire so it couldn't come back. Like, I was like, wow, that worked. Like, I'm kind of a bad guy in this playthrough so far. I don't know if I like it or not, but like, damn, is it cool? <laughs> like, playing a warlock, like, as a, just from the roleplay point of view really fun because you get to do things like this yeah like i know how like the minor miracles are cool like you can change the color of your eyes you can like make lights rise or dim like you ever see lord of the rings yeah you know that scene at the beginning with uh bilbo in the um in his house and gandalf's in there and he drains all the light from there yeah 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 i can fucking do that yeah dude (laughs) like like and, and like I can do, I like clerics would normally use it. Like I'm a holy, like a f- big billows of lights and everything. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Warlock, we're gonna do the exact opposite. We're gonna fuck with everyone. And I've been like, all oh, that's all I've been doing. I have not attacked a single thing yet. All I have done is screw with people. Good lord, is it fun? <laughs> Who the fuck sounds it? <laughs> like. Like, as a spellcaster, too, it's not like I'm screwing with people like, oh, I'm going to steal your money. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to make you go bash in a kid's skull because it's a good idea. Yeah. Like, and, and you have no idea where that voice in your head came from, but it sounds suspiciously like your fish friend. I uh, DM'd my uh, DM earlier, um, basically saying, like, I because he knows all this is going on, and I'm like, don't be afraid to play on this, dude. Like, I'm down. Like let's <laughs> I'm fucking down to do more. Let's fucking party. So uh yeah, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this campaign just because it's it's really role play. We're all really role play people. So it's very, very role play. That's what I want to step up in our campaign. Yeah, yeah. I, I have an exercise I wanna I wanna start next session, the, this upcoming session with. If you if you want, because you're here, you get to know what it is ahead of time. Yay. Yay me. Tell me something about your character's backstory that I don't already know. You have time. Yeah. So, yeah, that stuff, I, like, that helps build your character, which can help with the role-playing aspect. So, it's really fun like that. So, I, I'm gonna have everyone do it. Um, so, actually, I think I'm gonna post something in the Facebook group. I'm gonna let you all think about it at first. 
But as the time goes on, I'm going to be like throwing this out at the spot or things like this out at the spot. I want to play up the role playing element because that's what makes Strahd beautiful. That's what makes Strahd fun. So, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. Um, so, uh, that's all I got for D and D. Um, check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore tales. Again, that is at Navi underscore tales. Uh, send us pictures of your world of Warcraft tattoos. Um, <laughs> uh, until next time, we'll see you then. Bye. Love you. With the help of the Tauren, both the orcs and the tribe of the El, uh, the elves. <laughs> no. Not in this game. Since then, certain ogre, ogre. I am an ogre. I'm an ogre. After the Thunder King's death, the Darkspear Rebellion began it in earnest, and the Horde leader after Horde leader Joy. Read that wrong. <laughs> Garrosh reorganized his orc forces into the True Horde, and with the power of y- uh, Yesharar. I said that weird. Yesharj. Yesharj. I don't fucking know. It's Pandaren. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't have no idea how to speak Pandaren. Goddamn pandas. Garrosh and the True Horde were defeated in the ensuing conflict. The, uh, the reveals and alliance forces. That was meant to be rebels. Yeah, Fuck. I was going to say. Yeet. Yeet. Much like the alliance, it is compromised of... Compromised. Compromised. They fucking compromised. We've been compromised. Dun 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 dun. I saw fucking Mission Impossible, the new one. Mm. This is a fucking flick and a half. Was it? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Holy shit, I love that movie. Yeah, well, I've always liked the Mission Impossible. Me too. But like, always fun, but there's a. I don't know if you care or not, but there's a scene where they jump out of a plane. Mm-hmm. The entire shot is one. It's one shot until they land. That's awesome. And I, I was just like, when it was over, I was just like, holy shit, am I tense right now? Is it going to be like the time that, uh, so it's the only season of the show I watched. I watched the first season of Daredevil. Um, then there's a scene at the end of episode two where he's trying to save the kidnapped kid and it's all done in one take. By the in the, the hallway scene? Yeah. yeah. By the end of that, I was standing up going, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, ask Jess. She absolutely freaked out because I freaked out. Yeah, dude, it was fucking, I was like, holy shit, like an entire skydive sequence in like one, like, thing. Yeah, and knowing uh, Tom Cruise, uh, he had the power of Scientology on his side, so he jumped out of that plane himself, because he does all his own stunts. No, yeah, he jumped out of the plane himself. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's got the power of Xeno on his side, hell yeah. God anime, anime on his side. (laughs) I have the power of... (laughs) Don't fuck with me, I have the power of God and anime on my side. I love that. I, I found a t-shirt with that on it, and I want it so bad. <laughs> I have the power of God and anime on my side. Don't we all? For the Horde is fail- for the ha ha. Under Lady Sylvanus' leadership, the Forsaken used any means that- There it is. <laughs> You're struggling. The noble Tauren of Kalmador. Kalimdor? Kalimdor. The Dark Spear have been invited to join a revitalized troll empire under the Zandalarians. Zen? Zandalaris. Zandalaris. Them ponies. They're Zambonis. The cunning Bilgewater cartel goblins from Kezan 
one of the most, if not the most, powerful Garblin. Garblin. Gerblin. Gerblins. It's the Gerblins. Their future was tested when their leader, the angered Grand Prince Gallywix. Trade Prince. That's really important to oh, their okay. the whole thing. That they're, they don't have leaders. They have trade princes who are the most wealthy. 